Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. As always, my name is Mung. Hey, everybody, it's Los. Uh, you'll have to forgive me. I'm a little under the weather this week, so um, I may not be as excited, ramped up, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, you know, early winter starting to get you. Yeah, we're uh, we're almost through week two of the NFL season, and unfortunately, we are beginning flu season. So, Hooray! Uh, unfortunately, I am also uh, feeling it a little bit, uh, much like Elos, um, but we will get through this podcast because there are a lot of players who are feeling much worse than us, I'm sure. Hopefully we're not encephalopathic, just going crazy, saying dumb stuff this week. We'll see what happens. Uh, you're using words that are way too big for me. I don't even know what that means. Oh, well, here, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm just going to gloss over there, pretend like I'm a smart person. And uh, we are going to move right to the Gillette Close Shave of the Week. And with 19 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter, the Miami Dolphins were holding on to a tenuous two-point lead with the L.A. Chargers driving down the field. Phillip Rivers and company at that time decided to rush the football to move it to the middle of the field to help his kicker. However, Mr. Rivers forgot that they had no timeouts remaining for the field goal unit to get out onto the field. But luckily for the Chargers, Miami head coach Adam Gase was temporarily possessed by Andy Reid and completely lost awareness of the game clock, calling a timeout for seemingly no reason to help out the Chargers. Luckily for Coach Gase... Chargers kicker Young Ho Koo missed, allowing the Dolphins to preserve their road win to start the season. Get your close shave like Adam Gase with Gillette, the best a man can get. Our best blades for a few dollars a month. Fresh blades delivered to your door, no commitments. Yeah, how about the, uh, we should have a, you aren't who we, he isn't who we thought he was award for that same game for Jay Cutler. Uh, But we'll get there, right? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if uh, we can really give that win to Cutler more more so than uh, the loss to Philip Rivers, but uh, either way, you look at it, they did come out one and zero. So, what a pattern the Chargers have established of losing games in the fourth quarter over the past two years. It's 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 pretty entertaining to watch them collapse every week. I yeah, I can't even imagine being a Chargers fan. Like at least with the Bears, like you know we're bad and we're gonna lose, and it's not like we have a really good roster and we just somehow screw it up in the fourth quarter. They shouldn't have left San Diego. You know what? The, the Chargers are like the anti Lions, where the Lions always seem to come out with a win in the fourth quarter. The Chargers always seem to lose it. There we go. Um, but speaking of LA, we are going to move on to our previews for week three and Thursday night football, the Los Angeles Rams at the San Francisco 49ers. And that's what I call a segue. This man's a professional. Uh, Jared Goff has looked like a starting NFL quarterback two weeks in a row. Now, I think that's going to continue for week three, especially if Eric Reed isn't playing safety for San Francisco, which it's looking like he's at least going to miss a few weeks. Uh, Todd Gurley's a running back one this week. He's dominating the running back carries uh, in the backfield. This should be a fine week to fire up Sammy Watkins as a wide receiver too, despite only a two for 30 line versus Washington. But we knew he would be limited by the matchup with Josh Norman. Uh, Cooper Cup, only three 
uh, three catches on six targets for 33 yards, which is a little bit surprising, but Gurley really dominated. Uh, consider him a low end PPR flex this week in a matchup that should feature a heavy dose of running game and clock control. Yeah, Goff is fine. I don't know if you're excited to start him in fantasy, but he's a mid-level QB2. Um, as for Gurley, I mentioned last week that this offense looks functional, but more importantly, Gurley's become more involved in the passing game. Three catches for 48 yards and a touchdown on four targets is good for his floor. And of course, he'll get plenty of carries too against San Francisco. He should be a solid mid-tier RB1 for me this week. Um, for me, the receivers, Watkins and Cup are both flex plays here. Uh, you know, I get that Watkins saw a, a decent amount of Josh Norman this past week, but he didn't exactly light it up against the Colts either in week one. I'm just not sure how high Sammy Watkins' ceiling is until we see it here. Um, and then, of course, the rookie tight end, Gerald Everett. He had a nice game against Washington also, but I'm hesitant to trust any of those Rams tight ends just yet, uh, especially the rookie. All right. Well, maybe maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm crazy, but I, I I think Sammy Watkins is a decent buy low opportunity right now. I think as this conti- offense continues to grow, you say week one he wasn't great, but it was really the first week that we saw Jared Goff playing with any sort of uh, solidness to him. Um, but you know, I can see it either way. On the San Francisco side of the football, Brian Hoyer did not do much against a tough Seattle defense. Under 100 yards, one interception. You're not looking to play him anyways, but this did affect his wide receivers. Pierre Garcon only three catches for 26 yards on five targets. Uh, Marquis Goodwin, three catches for 26 yards. I do my best to avoid them both against the Rams who just held Washington receivers to under 90 total yards receiving. Uh, Carlos Hyde pulled together a rare, nice day in Seattle, uh, 15 carries, 124 yards, three catches plus 20. He's a running back two here against a tough defense. That's been susceptible, uh, susceptible to a couple big run plays the past two weeks. So uh, yeah, bring him out there. Yeah, on the Niners side, you're relying on Car- uh, Carlos Hyde and Pierre Garcon, and that's about it. Uh, if you're relying on anyone else outside of those two, your season might be in trouble. Um, Carlos Hyde should be an RB2 for me this week. Uh, he's a clear workhorse back, and that's going to you know, rack up the touches here. And I expect Garcon to get a few more targets and catches in this one. He should be a low-end flex player, wide receiver three here. Uh, the Rams secondary is certainly up and coming, but there's going to be a lot more opportunity for Garcon this week than there was against the Legion of Boom in week two. Sure. Uh, go ahead and give me the LA Rams against a weak uh, San Fran opponent. Yeah, I will also take uh, the LA Rams uh, on the road at San Francisco. So the next game here is going to be Baltimore at Jacksonville. Yeah, Joe Flacco took care of business in Cleveland with 217 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He should have plenty of opportunities this week against the Jaguars offense that could have a lot of trouble sustaining drives versus the Baltimore uh, de- uh, defense. He's a mid- mid-range quarterback, too, just because Jacksonville's such a strong team on defense. Uh, Javoris Allen led the backfield in carries with 14 for 66 yards, adding five catches, 35 yards, and a touchdown, compared to Terrence West's eight carries, 22 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, 
I prefer West a little more as a flex this week in Jacksonville, um, but that may be changing as time goes on, especially if Alice Collins starts to get a little more into the mix here. Uh, the wide receivers only saw eight of the 29 uh, receiving targets this week. At least we can say there's some consistency to the looks Macklin's receiving four catches on five targets, 31 yards and a touchdown. You definitely like to see better production from your wide receivers than that though. Uh, Mike Wallace has yet to wake up this year with a big game. I don't think it comes this week versus Jacksonville. I would bench him. Consider cutting him in more shallow leagues. Uh, ben Watson, of all people, came back into relevance. Eight catches on eight targets with 91 yards, leading the team in both receiving uh, uh, receptions and yardage, and could be an interesting tight end streamer in a very deep league. Uh, Jacksonville has also allowed about 150 yards and a touchdown to tight ends in the past two games overall. So could be a guy worth a look if you're real desperate at tight end this week with a lot of the injuries happening. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm avoiding all Ravens and Jaguars players this week if I can help it sure. outside of the running backs. I, I think sure. that this game figures to be a 19 to nine kind of win for Baltimore with both defenses really just smothering their opponents. Um, I would say Ter- Terrence West and Buck Allen are both flex plays for me. It really comes down to who gets the touchdown at this point for those running backs. West seems to be the preferred option at the goal line, but. Allen was a lot more involved after West suffered a soft tissue injury during that game. Um, we'll see if West kind of reclaims that uh, the bigger share of that workload if he's healthy for week three. But either way, Baltimore also lost their Pro Bowl right guard Marshall Yanda for the year with a fractured ankle. So this run game is going to struggle even more now. Uh, and the upside is really downgraded on both of those running backs. And I definitely agree with you on Ben Watson. Uh, if you recall, actually, he was a preseason sleeper of mine in 2016 before he injured his Achilles. So definitely a name to monitor if you're streaming tight ends. And on the uh, Jacksonville side of the ball, I think this is a pretty tough matchup for Jacksonville against a very stout defense, as we've seen the past two weeks. I don't need to tell you to avoid Blake Bortles, uh, but Leonard Fournette's been dominating carries, looking about as good as can be expected this year with this pretty terrible offense. I temper your expectations even further against Baltimore, even though he looked pretty good against Tennessee, which they're about the same same caliber as, as elite run defense. He's still a running back, too. It's a bit messy and a dice roll at wide receiver, but Lee, Marquise Lee, and Alan Hearns should dominate in the targets just like they did this week. If you're feeling super lucky, I prefer Lee as a long shot, but I would really do my best to avoid this team this week. Like I said, I'd really just want Fournette here, but even then, um, you know, as you mentioned, I'd temper expectations and I have him downgraded to a low on RB2 or even a high on flex at this point uh, for week three. I really don't like this matchup. You're basically just hoping for a score from Fournette. And then if you're truly desperate, both Marquise Lee and Alan Hearns have garbage time potential, but you're really hoping there and they're low end wide receiver fours or fives for fantasy purposes. So I guess you alluded to it there, uh, mentioning garbage time. I am picking Baltimore by a bit of a margin. I am as well. Give me Baltimore. All right. Next game here is going to be Denver at Buffalo. Well, Trevor Simeon has made me look stupid two weeks in a row now. I haven't had a chance to mitigate the disaster uh, between these two games. 230 yards, four touchdowns, one interception versus Dallas. But Buffalo is really going to be his first real test. I don't know what Dallas was trying to prove in testing Denver's pass defense all day. It's not how I would have approached it, but I digress. That kept Dallas off, off the field and kept the ball in Denver's hands, gave him some opportunity to make those things happen. Now, if Simeon puts up a nice week here, he suddenly 
really becomes a more interesting to me uh, going forward. C.J. Anderson went 25 carries for 118 yards and a touchdown. It was just rumbling on the ground. Jamal Charles even got some work in with the game out of hand. C.J. is a is a running back two this week, and Charles should get mop up duty if they end up going big, uh, going up big on teams. Uh, it's possible this week if the Denver D attacks Tyrod Taylor and keeps the ball out of Buffalo's hands, just like they did last week. Uh, order was restored, and all the targets returned to Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, and not to Benny Fowler, who are both low end wide receiver twos for me this week. Uh, nice week. Uh, this week for Sanders getting the two touchdowns, but that could be Demarius Thomas uh, looking ahead. You know, I actually started Simeon in a ton of DFS lineups this past week, and he didn't let me down. Um, So I think he's a fine high-end QB2 again this week in fantasy. Buffalo has a solid defense, but Cam Newton and company definitely missed a few opportunities in week two, and I expect this Denver team to keep rolling even on the road. Um, But I I would say to be cautious on Trevor Simeon's outlook, as Denver lost their starting left tackle, Garrett Bowles, with a bone bruise for what sounds like a couple weeks at least. Um, And then C.J. Anderson, he's a mid to high end RB2 right now. He looks good, and as long as he can stay healthy, you know, he's always had high upside. Jamal Charles, just a flex play as he's kind of the complementary piece to C.J. Anderson. Uh, And then, of course, as you said, this Denver passing game is going to be a little hard to predict week to week, but... I'd still probably be comfortable starting either Thomas or Sanders this week as my wide receiver too, but definitely lean towards uh, Thomas. Uh, I think they're going to try and go back to him a little bit more this week. As for the Buffalo Bills, they had a lot of difficulty sustaining drives versus Carolina, and I think that's going to continue here versus Denver, who's an even better defense. Uh, You're playing McCoy regardless, but I would avoid all Buffalo receivers here. Uh, That said, Denver was surprisingly susceptible to uh, old man Witten last week, allowing 10 catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. It, It feels very questionable to recommend a tight end to stream versus Denver, namely Charles Clay. Uh, but they, they've so shown some susceptibility over the past year to get, uh, being beaten by tight ends. Uh, I don't really trust Tyrod Taylor to capitalize, but it's something to consider if you're a Greg Olson owner or something like that. Jimmy Graham, if he doesn't play. Yeah, really, those two guys that you mentioned on Buffalo are the only two I can imagine starting against Denver. Uh, McCoy is just a, a flex play for me this week at best. Uh, Zeke averaged less than a yard per carry against that Denver defense, and I can't imagine Buffalo doing all that much better. Um, his upside really is staying involved in that passing game, getting some of those dump-offs, and hopefully getting him out in space. And as you said, Charles Clay has some upside as a checkdown option, a la Jason Witten. Um, but really just a desperation tight end too with upside. Give me Denver on the road here. Yeah, give me give me Denver on the road here too, pretty easily. Um, I don't know why Tyrod Taylor isn't doing what he did last year. He he would chuck the ball deep and connected quite a bit of the time. Maybe it's because maybe it's just not having Sammy Watkins, but he connected with Robert Woods and other guys pretty well. Uh, he tra- he almost won the game when he tried doing that to Zay Jones, but uh, went about an inch too high, clanged off the hands. But we would have a much different uh, narrative here if uh, he got back to his old self. Yeah, Jordan Matthews is not Sammy Watkins. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, all right, next game here, NFC South showdown. New Orleans at Carolina. What you think? You think? Oh, what do I think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's the, I get a little fuzz in the ears. Uh, Drew Brees, 
uh, looked really nice versus New England. Of course, that uh, that backup defense with all those injuries, 350 yards, two touchdowns. He'll continue to produce in Carolina. The past few meetings have been shootouts, which if this past week was an indication, does not mean good times are ahead for AP and Mark Ingram. AP, eight carries for 26 yards, no passing work, and should be riding your bench. Ingram, eight carries, 52 yards, but added four catches for uh, 24 yards. And he's always been a better PPR back than he really gets credit for and is a, worth a flex start here. Uh, Alvin Kamara, Kamara had a few big plays, but was only one carry for three yards, tacked on three catches for 51 yards. The workload just isn't there yet, but it's going to continue to grow as the, as the uh, season wears on. Uh, he's a deep league flex versus Carolina, uh, 14 plus. Thomas is a wide receiver one, of course. Brandon Coleman and uh, Ted Ginn are flexes in what should be a high-scoring game. Uh, I'm not expecting much from Kobe Fleener uh, versus Carolina. Luke Keekley on the inside. I'd look elsewhere at tight end today or next week. Um, well, I'm going to go one step further even, and, and you know me, I prefer to, I'd rather overreact to early season happenings than to underreact. And sure. if I needed help elsewhere, and if I'm one and one or zero oh and two, and I, I need help at running back, I, I would even be okay with you dropping Adrian Peterson. I, I think we've seen how the Saints offense is going to look. And if Peterson's not even getting all the goal line carries, then really where's his fantasy value? That, that's a great point. And it's certainly not going to get better for him as the season goes on. Right. I mean, I think if, if they were ever going to, you know, have a big lead where they need him to chew clock, I would say, you know, he would be a good start, but I just don't think they're ever going to have that with this terrible defense. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I see you there. Yeah. Um, so really, you know, I'd rather have a guy like Buck Allen or Chris Carson or a number of different running backs available out there. We'll get to that in our waiver wire section of the show. But um, to your point, Ingram and Kamara are both decent low end RB2 or flex plays. Uh, there's definitely fantasy relevance here, but just too many mouths uh, all fighting for Sean Payton's teat, really. Um, and then Michael Thomas, uh, receiver-wise, he's going to find the end zone sooner rather than later. So fire him up as a solid high-end wide receiver, too. Um, and actually, I still like Kobe Fleener this week with Willie Sneed not there. Uh, I think he should be a mid-to-high-end tight end to play despite uh, Luke Keekley and Thomas patrolling the middle of that field. Sure, yeah, I don't, I don't hate him as a tight end, too, but uh, not starting on any of my teams. Sure. Now, for, as for uh, Carolina, after a hard-fought close game with Buffalo, Cam should welcome this porous defense of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I think Ron Rivera's been waiting for this game to really see what Christian McCaffrey has to offer. Uh, after James, after what James White and Rex Burkhead both had very productive days as past catching running backs. McCaffrey is a high-end running back, too, for me this week. I'd be very excited to see what comes. Uh, not expecting much grinding or clock control, so Jonathan Stewart takes a step back for me. He did double McCaffrey's carries in Buffalo, but only showed 15 carries for 40 yards on the ground. Uh, the Saints are, of course, susceptible to the pass. Use Benjamin with confidence, and I expect an uptick in work for Funches as they try and cover for the loss of Greg Olson to a foot fracture. Uh, he's a low-end flex for me this week. I think focus be uh, the focus becomes placed more on McCaffrey uh, for this game, and I don't see a new tight end, the backup tight end, gaining much ground just yet in this offense. Well, I went on record last week and said that I'm fine with dropping cam newton but if if he's still on your roster uh you know after last week then he should be a decent back-end fantasy qb1 against this new orleans defense but like i said he's gonna be limited a little bit with that ankle injury and i just don't see him rushing that much that uh in general this year 
Um, to your point, McCaffrey, he should be a good back-end RB2 with upside and PPR. I do think this is going to be a bigger game for him than for Jonathan Stewart, um, who I think is more of a touchdown-dependent flex play, but I really think that's that's a ceiling week-to-week. Um, Calvin Benjamin here should be a decent wide receiver three or flex, but I don't know that I'd add Devin Funchess just yet. Um, I, I've heard some buzz on him, uh, but I just don't, one, I don't think he's a great prospect, and two, I'm hesitant to invest in this offense in general with how Cam Newton has looked, um, and with Greg Olson out potentially eight to ten weeks, uh, maybe more with that fractured foot that he got surgery on today, um, I just don't think that this offense is going to be good without him. It's more so you know, it, it might be a larger opportunity for someone on this offense, but I think the offense in general is going to suffer. Um, and then with Greg Olson, I, obviously, if you have an IR spot, you're holding on to him, but I think you can probably drop him if you don't, right? Yeah, I mean, t- 10 to 12 weeks is going to take you into the playoffs. Um, it, you, you can't make the playoffs unless you have an IR. You can't make a playoffs with injured tight ends, can you? No, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where, uh, much like David Johnson, if he's been dropped, definitely add on your watch list. And if you're going to, you know, at some point around week 10 or so, if you're 100% sure you're making the playoffs, then those guys are worth an add at that point. But it's too early for that. Yep. Um, I will take New Orleans on the road here. I actually like Carolina at home here in what should be a shootout. See, I, I think Drew Brees is uh, is pissed off after losing to Tom Brady, and he's not going to lose to Cam Newton, too. Well, I think Cam Newton's pissed off after uh, not uh, being Cam Newton good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on to Pittsburgh at Chicago, then. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, the Steelers should continue to roll as they enter the second game of the NFC North, this time against a much weaker foe. Nobody can match up on Antonio Brown like Xavier Rhodes did this last week, so he'll bounce back quite well. Start Big Ben as a quarterback one, Bell as a running back one, Martavis as a strong wide receiver two. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster saw his first real NFL action, three catches, 16 yards and a touchdown. It's worth monitoring how many snaps they start getting in each game or week, but it's not worth an ad at this point. Just, just keep in mind your radar uh pittsburgh's definitely not going to need to get all that creative to score points in chicago yeah you're starting all your Steelers. i don't have a ton to add to what you had to say other than uh jesse james i don't think you brought up he remains a tight end too with upside here he was pretty limited last week after hurting his ankle early against the vikings but i think james has a decent chance to score again this week definitely involved in the Steelers' red zone offense All right. Uh, As for our Chicago Bears, uh, Mike Glennon had a very rough day versus Tampa Bay. It was almost uh, funny to watch. Not even fun to watch, just funny. Uh, It shouldn't be that bad week to week, but I don't expect it to be that much better. Uh, The bigger disappointment, however, came with Jordan Howard. Only went for nine carries for seven yards and has his arm in a sling. Uh, I hope you grabbed Tariq Cohen last week because he's going to be outworldly expensive right now after a bad rushing day. But uh, eight receptions for 55 yards the air ppr golden magic right there uh if howard can't go he becomes a high volume uh, low-end running back too possibly cracks high-end running back two status uh i guess kendall wright is the top target seven catches 10 targets 69 yards uh which the gronk loved to see but this is just a situation for me to avoid altogether uh pittsburgh's gonna get up early and try and control the clock yeah super random but you know who mike glennon sort of reminds me of um uh kyle orton <sighs> 
No, I, I wasn't even talking football wise. Um, Mike Glennon kind of reminds me of Littlefoot's grandfather, the Brontosaurus from The Land Before Time. Okay. Um, okay. Just super randomly during that game kind of popped up. But <laughs> anyway, um, fantasy wise, I guess you're starting Jordan Howard as a flex play if he's okay to go with that shoulder injury that he's day to day with. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how his health uh, keeps up as we get closer to Sunday. But behind him, as you mentioned, Cohen is a nice PPR flex play, maybe even low end RB2 and with even more upside if Howard were to miss any time. Um, I mean, that's really the main guy that you want on the Chicago offense right now. Kendall Wright for me, just a W, uh, excuse me, wide receiver four in PPR. Um, I just don't see a ton of upside. And, you know, the one other thing is um, Zach Miller. Um, he got a lot of targets uh, in the last week or two after uh, the Bears lost both Cameron Meredith and Kevin White. So he's a potential tight end streamer to monitor. And, and we'll talk about that more at the end of the show as well. All right. Uh, well, go go Bears, but they uh, will continue to fade into the mysterious beyond as Pittsburgh takes this game. Yeah, I'll take uh, Pittsburgh here as well. Um, next game here, Atlanta at Detroit. Atlanta showed us showed us what we remember out of this offense last year. It may not be just as explosive, but the talent is definitely there. Um, Julio looked good on the field. I think we're going to say the same thing the whole year. Start Ryan, Julio, Freeman. Coleman is a week-to-week flex consideration. Um, Sanu with six targets, targets here, while Gabriel and Cooper each just had two. There's too much week-to-week variance for me to give them much consideration. Um, I'm going to disagree a little bit there. I think for me, Sanu is clearly the second option in this passing offense. So for me, he's a decent weekly wide receiver three or flex, um, especially because he has upside as kind of a Julio wide receiver handcuff almost. Um, if you remember when Julio was limited or out with that, you know, ankle or leg injuries, Sanu's targets would really tick up. So I, I think he's, um, probably the best guy behind Julio there, but Certainly Taylor Gabriel isn't a reliable start. Um, he's more of that boomer bust wide receiver five. And as mentioned last week, uh, you know, we, we kind of told everybody don't uh, get too sold on Austin Hooper just yet. And he only had two catches and it was really that big week one uh, performance on broken coverages. So he's still a tight end too right now. Young quarterback's best friend is the tight end. Apparently Matt Ryan is a very old man and just hates tight ends. Sure. <laughs> uh, in Detroit tonight, we get to see how well Tate's fingers is going to hold up. If he if he's healthy, he should be a solid PPR wideout too. Uh, I I think Riddick is still the running back to go for, especially against a high scoring Atlanta offense where they'll be in a passing situation most of the night. Maybe we'll see some better play from Amir Abdullah tonight. Uh, who knows? Uh, will the rookie Galladay continue his magic? I'm betting not, but we will see in the next couple hours. Yeah, um, so far, I mean, it looks like it's going to be tough sledding here, but uh, Detroit already has one touchdown, looking looking like they're they're rolling on the road, so we'll see. Um, but certainly, you know, in terms of the fantasy production here, again, I agree that Theo Riddick is probably still the best Detroit Lions running back in PPR. Um, should be a, a decent weekly flex play. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I think we saw that Atlanta really was able to shut down Green Bay for a lot of that game, but um, their defense, they just lost Vic Beasley, one of their best pass rushers for about a month with a hamstring tear, I think it was. And then 
Um, similarly, uh, we have to remember that Aaron Rodgers didn't have Jordy Nelson and Rendell Cobb for a lot of that game. So I think uh, Detroit will find a little bit more success, especially at home. Um, but that being said, I will still take the Falcons on the road. Give me the Falcons. All right. Um, next game here, uh, Cleveland at Indiana. Indianapolis. This this should be a, another fun game, just like uh, last Thursday's uh, Cincy at Houston sort of game. Uh, just when things were looking promising for Cleveland, uh, we had a pretty rare find on the injury report. Sean Kaiser came out for migraines. This really stinks and just feels so Cleveland. Uh, he, he needs to get these seriously managed. Migraines can affect your vision on top, of course, hugely disrupting your concentration, which is crucial in reading NFL defense, making snap judgments, things like that. Um, hopefully this isn't a concussion issue because I, I don't know that he's I haven't heard anything about him having migraines before um, I wish the best for him going forward I'm not positive if Indianapolis's D stepped up or if the Cardinals are just awful but we're going to find out this week uh, Crowell just 10 carries for 37 yards against Baltimore but should be a much more acceptable running back two this week Corey Coleman broke his hand and despite what should be a decent matchup I cannot recommend anyone else on this offense this week too many questions too much uncertainty. Uh, and Joku had a few nice plays, the rookie tight end, but do, don't get fooled into starting him just yet. You know, there's actually um, a few Browns players that I kind of like this week. So for me, Kaiser's yeah. an interesting QB streamer, uh, despite a terrible for, ah, excuse me, terrible performance against Baltimore. Um, he, like you said, he did briefly leave for a migraine, but supposedly it's not concussion related. Hugh Jackson came out today and said that Kaiser gets bad migraines about every five to six months. Um, okay. so I don't know where that's from, but, uh, hopefully it won't be a huge issue down the line. Um, but again, I expect Isaiah Crowell to struggle here. Um, the Colts run defense has played really well, but their pass defense is awful. So I would lean towards Duke Johnson as a flex if you had to pick one of those running backs, um, even if Crowell touches the ball more here in this game. And I think it's going to be an ugly game. And surprisingly, Vegas actually has the Browns favored to win this game. Um, wow. That's that's how far uh, the Colts have fallen here at home against the Browns. Um, and they're the underdogs. Jeez. Uh, but in terms of the passing game, like I said, I think this is going to be more of a passing matchup for Deshaun Kaiser. And with Corey Coleman out six or more weeks with that broken hand, um, I think Rashard Higgins is kind of interesting here. He's going to be that clear number one wide receiver now for Cleveland. Uh, definitely worth a look if you desperately need wide receiver help this week against a weak Indianapolis secondary. Um, I wouldn't trust any Browns receivers outside of Higgins, but I do think he has a lot of upside, uh, you know, a wide receiver four with big upside in PPR. Somebody's got, got to catch the ball, sort of like Jermaine Curse. Huh? Uh, so Indianapolis, this this team is also a mess. Uh, Brissett looked much better than Tolzien and is going to get the start again this week. Uh, Frank Gordon led the backfield with 14 carries, 46 yards and a touchdown, but did not look impressive at all. Uh, I don't think Indianapolis is going to be able to take Indy out of this game, so Gore should get another four quarters of work. That's really what happened in week one is it got so out of out of shape that they just pulled him. Uh, he's a low-end running back, too, regardless. Uh, th this will also be the worst running defense they're going to see this year so far, so you have that to hang your hat on. That might be 
nice for him. Uh, Brissett had a ton of targets to Moncrief and T.Y. Hilton this week, but could not connect. Uh, until luck returns, T.Y. is a wide receiver, too, with a chance to beat a defense deep, and Moncrief is a flex at best option. Uh, I think Jack Doyle has a nice week here. Cleveland has given up nice days to tight ends, and a young quarterback's best friend, like like we always say, is their tight end. Um, so he, he's my top tight end stream for the week. Yeah, I'm actually going to go back to the Brown side here real quick. Um, sure. Just to mention, you know, we briefly covered Corey Coleman with that broken hand. Uh, you know, this is the twice in two years now. Um, I think Coleman is a, is safe to drop in most leagues. Uh, I, I don't think that he's going to be much of a factor even when he gets back. It's going to take him some time to get back up to speed here. Yeah, who knows how that quarterback's gonna situation's even gonna look when he gets back, anyways. Right, um, and then on the Colts side, um, I, I'm not as high as on the wide receivers as you are. Apparently, um, I would definitely not classify T.Y. Hilton as a wide receiver too right now. Um, even though the offense looked better with Jacoby Brissett under center, for me, Hilton's just a high end wide receiver three or flex. Um, and I don't think Moncrief's even startable right now. He's like a wide receiver five. You're basically yeah. just hoping for a touchdown. Uh, this is going to be another ugly game, but um, like you said with Jack Doyle, I do think um, Cleveland uh, allows a lot of catches to the tight end position. And also, if he was dropped after a poor week one showing, um, I think he's worth picking up because one, Brissett likes to target him a lot, it seems. And two, you got to remember once Luck comes back, Doyle is going to be probably a low-end QB1. Tight end one, but yeah. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I will take Indianapolis at home. I am going against Vegas. Oh, this is tough for me. Um, I, I, I'll take Indy as well, um, but I do think that this is going to be a close game. All right. Uh, Tampa Bay goes into Minnesota. Um, this will be a good test for Jameis Winston here. A much more stout defense than Chicago has to offer. I, I would drop him to a quarterback two this week. Evans will be bothered all ba- day by Xavier Rhodes, but you cannot afford to sit your top wide receiver. Last year, don't forget, Evans had over 100 yards versus both Seattle and Kansas City. He has he has size and speed that, that makes him different than any other wide receiver. It's very hard to slow down. Um, Quiz will have a tough test, uh, but we'll get the bulk of the work keeping his value at a running back two for another week uh, i'm not jumping on any other pass catchers here in minnesota no tight ends either yeah i think uh deshaun jackson got free a few times against the bear secondary but winston and jackson just kind of failed to connect there uh, but at the same time i don't see minnesota allowing any big plays so for me deshaun is just a low-end wide receiver three this week um, and then Jaquiz Rogers, I think, uh, even against the stout Minnesota defense, he's going to be, you know, kind of that workhorse. We really only saw a lot of Peyton Barber once the game was already out of hand against Chicago. So I think, uh, Rogers still a low end flex play for me here. Jaquiz or, uh, Deshaun Jackson just isn't tall enough for, for Jameis Winston. He overthrows Mike Evans and he makes catches. Can't overthrow a short guy like Deshaun in, uh, <laughs> On the Minnesota side, hopefully Sam Bradford's back this week, which he, which he should be. Um, if he is, I think everyone should be fine. Diggs is a wide receiver one or two. Thielen's a flex. Cook's a running back two. Rudolph, of course, a tight end one. Uh, with Bradford, I think this team has a ton of potential and could make the wild card this year. Uh, that said, if Keenan's he, Keenum's here to manage the game, I think it really limits the points this offense is going to put up, and it turns into a pure clock control sort of offense, fading Diggs and Thielen to wide receiver threes with only breakaway upside with their speed um, against the Tampa Bay cornerbacks. Yeah, so it sounds like Sam Bradford is dealing with a bone bruise on his knee. 
Um, Minnesota seems optimistic that he's going to play in week three, but uh, I'd be nervous starting him. I, I think he could be one hit away from leaving this game at any point. Um, I'd have him as a high-risk QB2 this week, uh, certainly high upside. Um, but if he is playing, uh, you know, I'm fine with starting all the guys you mentioned, though I wouldn't classify Diggs as a wide receiver one just yet. Um, even if Bradford plays, I think this Tampa Bay secondary is pretty good, and I wouldn't expect a huge day for these guys like they had against the Saints week one. All right, that sounds good. Um, I'm going to take the uh, Minnesota Vikings at home. Skull. Uh, I, I'm just not sure that Sam Bradford plays, or if he does play, if he plays the whole game. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm drinking the Tampa Bay Bucks juice. Uh, I'll I'll take the Bucks on the road here. Give me three interceptions for Jameis Winston. Uh, here we go. Houston at New England. Houston eked out a big win uh, beside the behind the legs of Deshaun Watson, who effectively ended Tom Savage's career all in that one play. Uh, sorry, Tom. Uh, Watson loves throwing at DeAndre Hopkins and has reestablished him as a solid wide receiver one where he belongs. Uh, the running game became more of a timeshare, which is bad for Lamar Miller. Uh, Miller, 18 carries for 61 yards to Deontay Foreman's 12 carries for 40 yards. Miller has slipped down to a cap of a running back, too. And I don't think Foreman is startable just yet, but we'll uh, monitor that. Hold on to him and wait. I think Watson's legs could provide him another solid 40 plus yards rushing this week. So in a deeper league, I think you have to you have to at least consider him if you're desperate at quarterback sitting on a you know sitting on a guy that's not really performing well this year wow i am um, i definitely disagree with you on deandre hopkins this week i do not think he's a wide receiver one at all um i guarantee you that bill belichick saw what we saw and how much and that's how much deshaun watson relied on deandre hopkins to move that offense and he's going to double, triple team DeAndre Hopkins all day and force Watson to try and beat the Patriots a different way. Um, for me, Hopkins this week is just a flex play, uh, wide receiver three. And then uh, in, the, in terms of the tight ends, we'll see if Ryan Griffin can return from his concussion protocol because he may actually be a tight end too with upside and PPR just from the volume alone here. I think that Houston's going to want to run the ball and do a lot of short passes and Griffin's going to be kind of that outlet. And then in terms of the running backs, I could see Lamar Miller and Dante Foreman both as just flex plays here. Um, I don't think this offense is going to move the ball all that well against a New England defense that isn't great, but I think is going to have some tricks up its sleeves for a rookie. Sounds like we're uh, we're setting up for a little wager here. Um, how many targets do you think uh, do you think DeAndre Hopkins will have this week? <laughs> I don't think it matters how many targets he has because uh, <laughs> he's not going to get that many catches. Okay, how many catches do you think he'll have this week? How about this? Um, I I think he finishes outside the top 20 wide receivers in PPR this week. Top 20? Yeah, I'll, I'd put him in the top 20, definitely. Okay, yeah, I'll take that bet. All right, here we go. Uh, let's move us over to New England. While Houston did a really good job of limiting the Bengals and controlling their offense, New England is another story, of course. Uh, New England will need to get creative to take out this Houston defense, but they've done it before. They'll do it again, and they should be fine this week. Uh, it's always hard to say what they're going to do with their running backs. Uh, this past week, it looked like this. Gillisley, 18 carries, 69 yards, and a touchdown, making Gronk proud. 
Uh, White, two carries, 11 yards, plus eight of eight for 85 through the air. Rex Burkhead, two carries, three yards, three catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Deion Lewis even getting in the action, four carries, 14 yards. So clearly, there must be some belief in Michael Gillisley as James White, as and they should have some solid weekly floor value. Um, we're, we'll monitor Burkhead's recovery, but I think just sticking with Gillisley and White for right now is going to be less confusing than anything else. Uh Cooks only had two catches on four attempts for 37 yards in this shootout uh, compared to Chris Hogan's five catches, 78 yards and a touchdown with six targets. Cooks has disappointed on his new team so far, uh, but this could be the week to turn that around. They're both wide receiver twos to me. Uh, Grack is questionable with a groin injury. I hope it's that serious. If he plays, you start him. End of that story. Uh, the Patriots need to stop losing players. They're going to run out of defenders and they're just about out of wide receivers. Yeah, we'll see if Danny Amendola can come back too. Uh, he missed this past week with a concussion and a knee injury, so um, we'll keep our ears uh, posted for that. But that said, this Texans defense is pretty solid, and as you mentioned, New England is dealing with a ton of injuries. Um, you're starting Brady, but I would temper expectations a little bit. I have him as a mid or low QB1 instead of his normal top three spot. Um, and I think Gillisley is the safer start here with his guaranteed goal line usage. Uh, he doesn't see a lot of other action, but really he's LeGarrette Blunt 2.0. I mean, he he's just getting all those touchdown carries, and you know that's what gives you fantasy points. Um, yep. I think Gillisley is probably uh, a low end RB two or high end RB three, um, and then James White uh, definitely still a very good high upside flex play in PPR. Um, it seems like Rex Burkhead is dealing with some sort of rib injury and he's day to day. So we'll see if that, uh, gives Gillisley and white even more carries or targets. Um, and then as you said, Brandon cooks was quiet last week, but with both him and, uh, Chris Hogan limping a little bit with a knee injury, um, cooks could see a little more in terms of target share this week. Um, I would have both he and Hogan as low end wide receiver twos, uh, especially with, the Texans starting cornerback Kevin Johnson missing four to six weeks with an MCL injury. Um, there should be some opportunity here at home for the Patriots offense. Uh, and yes, it does sound like Gronk's groin injury is minor. So hopefully you can fire him up as a clear uh, elite fantasy tight end. And uh, just one other note, uh, Mr. Rob Gronkowski currently has 69 career receiving touchdowns. Congratulations, big Rob. Indeed. Um, I will take New England at home. Yes, New England for sure. What do you think the shot is of Gronk actually retiring there? I know that I know it's probably an old tired joke that anybody heard, everybody's heard already, but I think there's a shot. <laughs> I, I, I hope not. I'm actually headed to Boston this weekend, so I will be seeing this game uh, in person. Oh, that will be quite nice. Should be uh, should be a fun uh, win for them there. Um, all right. Uh, NFC or AFC East showdown. Miami goes into the Meadowlands. I don't know who was playing quarterback for the Dolphins, but somebody killed Jay Cutler and is wearing his skin right now. Uh, this quarterback didn't try to do too much, managed to find open receivers, didn't turn the ball over, and completed 13 catches underneath to Jarvis Landry. I'm mildly dumbfounded. I don't believe what I saw. I, I you know, I may rewatch that game. Uh, maybe smoking Jay is a reborn man. Uh, Jay was good on the ground, 28 carries, 122 two yards Parker um, four catches on nine targets for 85 yards could have had an even better day the cornerback knocked two balls out of his hands that would have shot his uh, skyrocketed his value they were both deep balls I think all three of them will be fine in New York 
Yeah, maybe the problem uh, all these years was that Cutler was practicing in the offseason. Uh, remember that interview <laughs> when somebody asked him if he, if he practiced this past offseason? He was like, I can't lie. No, not at all. Um, hey, you know, you ever see a cheetah warm up or practice? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But I, I do think Cutler is a decent streaming QB option this week after Derek Carr torched the Jets this past week. Um, you know, Cutler's ranked as a high-end QB2 for me in a good matchup. Similarly, Jay Ajayi should get plenty of run to chew the clock here with a lead, so fire him up as a low-end RB1 with tons of upside. And yeah, Landry and Parker, both wide receiver twos for me this week as well. All right. As for the Jets, this is a bad team. Miami has a good reef uh, run defense. Avoid Powell and Forte, though Forte is looking like he's getting a bigger, bigger share of that work. Uh, the Dolphins are beatable in the air. Uh, McCown has hit curse as his top target both weeks now. He looks like a wide receiver three to me, who me uh, uh, to me who may end up with a wide receiver two value for the season. I don't love it, but it might happen. Uh, he had four catches, 64 yards, and two touchdowns this last week. Uh, that's it. I don't know about wide receiver too, but certainly I think he can be a flex play for you if you need someone to slot in there. Uh, at the end of the day, volume matters and curses basically the guy there uh, until Austin Safarian Jenkins maybe comes back. So I think he's the only guy I'd start on this Jets offense right now as a flex or a low-end wide receiver three play. I, I just don't see him scoring two touchdowns every week. No, 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 but, but somebody has to catch the balls and he's the only one who has. Yep, give me a smoking J 2 and 0. There we go. Dolphins win. All right. Uh the next game here is going to be a New York Giants at Philadelphia Eagles. Um you know, we'll see tonight how Odell Beckham's ankle looks. So far he's been involved a little bit, but uh, certainly doesn't look as explosive as his normal self. Um, but again, if he's playing for you against uh, Philly next week, then certainly I don't think you can afford to sit him uh, with that high upside. Um, and Brandon Marshall just really looks not good right now and not involved. And Evan Ingram just got that touchdown. And I really don't think that he's worth starting as anything more than a wide receiver for until we see this offense get him more involved. Um, maybe Shane Vereen gets more checkdowns in PPR to be a serviceable flex play against a good Eagles defensive line. But man, this offense doesn't look great so far. Yeah, that covers it. They looked awful last week. Ho hopefully tonight's game is more entertaining. Um, on the Philadelphia side of the football, Wentz faced a very tough test versus Kansas City and came up with 330 yards, two touchdowns, one interception on a massive 46 attempts. That high volume is, is good for a quarterback in fantasy, but if you make him do this week after week against good defenses, you're going to pay for it eventually. Uh, they may not have another option right now, though, with how terrible the run game has been utilized. 13 total carries on the ground for running backs. Sproles getting 10 of them for 48 yards. Woodhead, three of them for four yards. Blunt with, was uh, was without a carry, but did have one reception for uh, zero yards. There's there's no choice but to only start Sproles thus far of these running backs until they show start to show a little more effect and commitment to their ground game. Elshon Jeffrey, seven catches on 13 uh, targets for 92 yards and a touchdown, which is about as nice a day as I'm going to expect for him going forward uh, for the time that he's healthy. I, I think that's that's about his ceiling. Uh, Ertz continues to roll, adding five catches on 10 targets, 97 yards, tight end one for me, uh, most if not every week. Yeah, Carson Wentz looks good to start his sophomore year, and I have him as a low-end QB1 again in week three despite a tough matchup. I think this Philadelphia offense is going to be good enough at home if they manage to keep it close on the road at Kansas City. 
Um, LeGarrette Blunt really didn't see much action last week, and I don't think he will uh, again against another tough run defense. So like you said, Sproul should see the bulk of the workload here, though his upside is somewhat limited. Um, the Eagles seem content to just throw it around a ton if the matchup calls for it, and Alshon Jeffrey did have a big week, but he wasn't shadowed by Marcus Cooper. I expect Janoris Jenkins to really shut Jeffrey down in week three, much like he did in, to Des Bryant in week one. Um, so for me, Jeffrey is just a low-end wide receiver three or flex play. Um, I have him slotted around where DeAndre Hopkins is, maybe even a little lower. But um, I think that this is going to be, uh, to your point, another heavy Zach Ertz and Nelson Aguilar game uh, out of the slot. I, I really think the middle of the field is the easier place to attack this defense. And Ertz should continue to be a low-end tight end one, and Aguilar should be an okay flex play. Um, we saw Torrey Smith got more involved in week two, but I would not start him week three against this Giants defense. I will take the home team, Philadelphia, in this NFC matchup. I will as well. Give me Philly. All right. Uh, Seattle rolls into Tennessee, which kicks off our three p or uh, four p.m. Eastern games, three p.m. Central. Uh, what is that? One p.m. out uh, out in uh, California. Anyways, uh, Russell Wilson has looked out of rhythm, but this Tennessee secondary has a lot of holes. Um, he, he started to find his rhythm in the fourth quarter versus San Francisco, and he may be fine this game. Uh, the running back situation looks a little less cloudy, which is nice. Lacey, I think, is done. Rawls and Procise have not been effective. And Chris Carson went 20 carries for 93 yards, added a catch for 70 yards, and he's looking like the near every down back right now. Uh, I'm worried for him in Tennessee, though, a low-end running back, too, uh, with a very loose grip on the starting job, really only grabbing it this past game. I hope Seattle doesn't overreact and take this job from him if he starts out slow against a very tough Tennessee running defense. Uh, Graham was held to one catch. Um, has an injury right now. Keep an eye on that as the week progresses. I think John Baldwin's going to be okay here. And Lockett and Richardson keep fighting week to week to see who's going to emerge as the clear number two. I, I think this is a battle that's going to keep going all year. And uh, I just hope you don't pick wrong every week. Yeah, by the way, uh, of course, we talked about how Eric Ebron was not very involved in the Lions offense last week. So, of course, he makes a beautiful catch in the end zone for a touchdown tonight. Um, that's how fantasy yeah. goes, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, Russell Wilson hasn't looked great and definitely partially due to the lack of protection from this offensive line, but he was also inaccurate on a lot of throws. It seemed like he was sensing pressure even when there was none. Uh, I'd be a little bit worried as a Seahawks fan if you're relying on your defense to beat the 49ers at home 12 to 9. Um, fantasy yeah, wise, yeah, right? <laughs> Um, fantasy wise, I guess, uh, you know, I guess Wilson is still a very low end QB one this week. Um, but this offense just looks like it hasn't really gotten it going yet. And they're potentially going to be without Jimmy Graham, who's week to week with that high ankle sprain. Um, we'll see if he plays this week, uh, but certainly you downgrade Wilson even a little bit more if he doesn't. But in terms of the backfield, it looks like Chris Carson's clearly the guy now. And uh, I think he's probably going to be, you know, one of those top waiver wire ads this week. Uh, we'll get to that at the end. But I can't imagine starting anybody else other than Wilson, Doug Baldwin, and Chris Carson right now. Like you said, the other running backs are barely involved. Um, Eddie Lacy, even a healthy scratch. And uh, really, Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett not really impressing just yet. 
I hope what we don't see here is Thomas Rawls get backed off of here because uh, let him get healthy another week, roll Chris Carson out there to, to just slam himself into Tennessee for 20 carries and then steal the job from him the next week saying that he wasn't effective. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, but I think until, until we see evidence to the contrary, Carson looks to be the guy. I hope so. Uh, always like a youthful infusion in the NFL. Uh, on the Tennessee side of the football, Mario has a tough <coughs> test here. I downgrade him from uh, normal quarterback one to a quarterback two here and do my best to avoid Tennessee wide receivers this week. Uh, Corey Davis, the rookie with an injury as well. The ground game may not be hugely successful either, but I expect them to get the bulk of the work here. This feels like a DeMarco Murray running back two week with Henry as a usable flex as well this week. Um, De- Delaney Walker is still a tight end one with upside. Uh, less upside, I mean. Sorry. Yeah. Um. So I'm actually a Marcus Mariota owner in multiple leagues. Uh, if you remember, I, I talked him up a lot in the preseason, and uh, I'm actually looking for a QB to stream this week, uh, even at home against Seattle. Uh, he's just a mid-level QB two, not even high end for me. Um. Demarco Murray and Corey Davis are both dealing with hamstring issues, and they both might play or both be out for multiple weeks. We really don't know for right now. Um, for me, Derrick Henry is a flex play with RB1 upside if Murray if Murray is out. Um, now, Henry is owned in most Yahoo leagues, but he's a must-add if for some reason he's still available in your league. Um, again, we'll talk about both him and Chris Carson more in that waiver wire section at the end of the show. Um, Walker sure. should be okay, but you know this is more so due to the amount of injuries and reliable tight ends out there even, uh, certainly not because of the matchup. And I would definitely temper expectations for the entire Tennessee offense against Seattle. Um, And by the way, to Corey Davis, uh, much like Corey Coleman, also droppable for me. This hamstring issue seems like it's going to last a while. Um, Get Seattle this week, Houston next week. uh, Maybe worth re-adding after Tennessee plays Baltimore in week nine uh, for that last stretch of the season. But I just can't imagine you, you know, holding on to him for what, six, seven weeks as of right now. Yeah, you'd never like to see a uh, highly tutted rookie start out his career like that. But hey, look how it worked out okay for Odell Beckham. <laughs> well, I mean, that's certainly true. But uh, like I said, uh, I, I would just not, uh, I just don't see him worth uh, burning a roster spot for right now. But certainly I do love him as a player, and I think he will bounce back at some point. Yeah, not, not for this year, though. Uh, give me Seattle on the road in Tennessee. You know what? If if DeMarco Murray and Corey Davis and everyone were fully healthy, I would have to think about this a little bit. But given the state of the, the Titans uh, offense right now, I, I would definitely go Seattle as well. All right. Uh, Cincinnati goes in at Green Bay. Uh, this is going to be the worst defense for D- that Dalton has faced so far this year. So this may be a better game for him. Uh, I'm still avoiding in all circumstances until I see that it's not just Andy Dalton and not the defenses that he's playing. A.J. Green, five catches for 67 yards on eight targets with a 50-yard reception in there. Uh, he's got nowhere to go but up, really, for right now. Uh, this this feels like a bounce-back Eifert game if he's healthy, as they should realize he's a great red zone target, and that Alex Erickson has no business getting six targets on the field. Uh, just to quickly review the running back situation, Joe Mixon, nine carries, 36 uh, yards. Jer- Jeremy Hill, six carries, 17 yards. Gio Bernard, five carries, 10 
10 yards plus two catches for 16. So what it's looking like and what's going to continue is Mixon is taking more of the work away from Jeremy Hill, but not enough for him to matter yet from a fantasy standpoint. Um, Bernard should be able to have a nice week in a game where Cincinnati will need to pass against a powerful Packers offense. This is another week where I'll say I'm okay with Giovanni Bernard, but it's, it's only a matter of time before those go all the way to completely as well. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously you're starting AJ Green if you own him, uh, despite this dumpster fire of a of a Bengals offense. Um, and then Gio Bernard would be my choice of running backs as a flex in PPR. I'm expecting that Cincinnati's gonna be trailing this game from the start, basically. Um, Tyler Eifert dealing with back injury and knee injury. Uh, uh, things don't sound too optimistic for him right now to play this week, but. I guess if he does suit up, he'd still be a high-end tight end, too. Um, There's just really not a whole lot to love about this Bengals offense. Yeah, I, I agree. And regardless of how good the Cincinnati defense can be, as we see time and again, you can slow Aaron Rodgers down, but you cannot stop him, not for an entire game. I thought for sure they might still steal the game away from Atlanta. He really is that good, unfortunately. Uh, until further notice, he's a quarterback one. Montgomery's a running back one with a touchdown rushing here and 75 yards for the air and a touchdown receiving as well. Uh, Monitor the in- injury status of Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson through the week. Uh, they could explore Geronimo Allison here as in a starting position or maybe even putting Montgomery in the slot for a few plays while playing uh, Jamal Williams at running back In all likelihood. I am expecting Nelson back this week. Uh, so keep up with the reports and adjust your, adjust your team accordingly. Yeah. I mean, you're starting Aaron Rodgers and Ty Montgomery and things might get even better if they get Brian Balaga and David Bakhtiari back this week, their left tackle and right tackle that they sorely missed against Atlanta. Um, you know, <laughs> It's so weird because everybody freaked out when Jordy Nelson left the game with what they thought was a non-contact injury, but it looks like he actually, it was a contact injury and his quad got bruised. Um, So hopefully it sounds minor. He should be back in a week or so. Um, He might be able to suit up for week three. Definitely keep keep your eye out on different status updates to him and Randall Cobb. Um, for me, I'm less optimistic on Randall Cobb. If you remember, he really struggled last season after coming back from a shoulder injury. And even if he does return, uh, it, it might really affect uh, his effectiveness for the rest of the season here. Um, I'd be looking to sell if you could on Cobb after his hot start. Um, I just don't know how much he's going to hold up and Certainly, this helps Devontae Adams. Uh, he's a flex option, but gets bumped up to a solid wide receiver, too, if either Jordy or Randall Cobb are unable to suit up for week three. Um, and I think similarly, Martellus Bennett bumps up into a low end tight end one territory, too, if either of those guys can't go on Sunday. Um, Bennett should see a much more, much more consistent target share if that were to happen. Hey, anytime you want to uh, you want to talk about selling Packers, I'm all on board for that. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I, I think really uh, the the rankings of those individual receivers is going to depend on who's suiting up to go this week. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Um, give me the Packers against a woeful Cincinnati. Uh, yes, easily. <laughs> 
All right. Kansas City at the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Alex Smith turned back into a pumpkin this week. Not that being a pumpkin's a bad thing. It just doesn't put up elite numbers. It still manages games quite well and distributes balls quite evenly. Uh, the Chargers defense hasn't done anything to scare me off of Hunt as a running back one. Uh, Hill is a wide receiver two, and Kelsey is a tight end one this week. There's really nothing more to say about that. This is a well-coached team that, despite Hunt's early struggles this past game, kept at it, and he ended the day with 13 carries, 81 yards, and two touchdowns uh very 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 nice showing yeah um i i don't really have a ton to add i guess but for me i, I don't think alex smith did all that poorly i mean he's still a top 10 fantasy qb for the week so certainly uh you can't complain about that i think he'll be a decent uh you know low-end qb1 high-end qb2 going forward this year I, I think if you've been streaming qbs he might be worth holding on to Sure. Uh, as for the uh, the Chargers, Kansas City's a tough defense, and I would not start Philip Rivers this week. Uh, but Melvin Gordon gets enough work in every part of the game. He managed a 20-point day despite being limited to just 13 yards rushing. Think about that for a second. Uh, Keenan Allen, nine catches on 10 targets for 100 yards, and his volume is not going anywhere. Antonio Gates set the record for tight end touchdowns for a career. Congratulations. And had a line of two catches on four targets for, uh, for 11 yards and that touchdown. Early in the third, that happened when he scored the record-setting touchdown. Two, uh, two of those targets were back-to-back at towns from the Miami 7, so they were trying to force him the ball, trying to make that happen. After that, he had zero targets, zero looks. I don't think Rivers even looked him in the eye later in the game. It is now Hunter Henry time. I hope you didn't mind waiting for it. Seven catches on seven targets, 80 yards on the day. Um, fire him up every week for me. I, I love him. Um, Williams is a low-end wide receiver three or low-end flex until we see more of a workload for him uh, and not a huge fan going forward yeah I'm more optimistic on Williams a little bit I think I do think that they're going to get him a little bit more involved especially as Gates kind of continues that decline but uh, certainly uh, again uh, as with Kansas City I don't have a ton to add with the Chargers Um, I'll take Kansas City here on the road yeah should be I I think this will be a good game that Kansas City will end up winning as well so, of course, you know that means that the Chargers are somehow going to not screw it up against a really good team. Right. How, how, that, that's, that's really going to be the, the motto for this team, right? Or the, or the, wow, I'm sick. Clearly, I can't think clearly. <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on to the next game here then. Um, we got the Oakland Raiders at the Washington Redskins. Yes, this is a good offense. Carr is a higher-end quarterback, too, for me this week. Crabtree and Cooper are both wide receiver twos. Lynch, 12 carries, 45 yards only, and a touchdown, and would have had a bigger day if this game was closer. Uh, they smartly limited his touches against uh, the Jets, with Corderell Patterson even getting some carries and a rushing touchdown for himself. Uh, Jared Kick, Cook. Four catches on six targets, only 25 yards. He could have had a better day here. Um, overall, I really like what I see out of this offense. They're a fun team to watch. I'm a fan, and Lynch is an, a very entertaining player on the sidelines, on the field, everything. He's a running back one. Uh, this is this is this is the team to watch. Yeah, uh, you know, I really didn't think that Derek Carr was worth his preseason ADP of QB6, but so far I'm wrong, and he's really just lighting it up. Uh, I see no reason for this to change in week three. He should be a mid-end QB1 here. Um, But I do want to point out that weeks four through seven, uh, Derek Carr does play Denver, then Baltimore, then the Chargers, then the Chiefs, and I expect his numbers to come down a bit for that stretch. Um, I'm not saying necessarily that I'd sell Carr, but just a reminder that I don't know if he's yet in that elite tier of quarterbacks where we consider him matchup proof in fantasy. 
And then in terms of the running backs, uh, obviously Marshawn Lynch is uh, the starter there, but we saw that they do want to preserve him for what they hope to be a, a late season playoff push. And uh, they are going to rotate in the other guys, uh, DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard. Um, but still in fantasy, Lynch is the guy. He's a high-end RB2 or low-end RB1. And I think it's time that we elevated Michael Crabtree to the wide receiver one tier. I mean, he's never gotten the respect he deserves, and he's clearly still Derek Carr's go-to guy, despite everyone wanting it to be Cooper. Yeah, I don't hate that. I I, I really think it's a 1A, 1B sort of thing, but, but I think, yeah, people are more prone to put Cooper and then further down the line Crabtree, whereas they are more realistically very close to each other, like DT and Sanders. Yeah, I think that's a that's an apt comparison here. Uh, you know, Cooper's definitely still in that wide receiver two category, but I think Crabtree's definitely the one A. There we go. Um, I, for Washington, uh, Oakland is a great offense with a beatable defense, even with uh, Washington's struggle so far. Uh, Kirk just has not looked very captainly, unfortunately. 179 yards, one touchdown versus the Rams, but better days are ahead. Uh, versus Oakland, he's a low-end low, low end quarterback one, high-end quarterback two. He should hopefully find a bit of a rhythm more here. Um, if if Kirk can score two touchdowns versus, versus the Raiders, Terrell Pryor can definitely score a touchdown here, uh, but he's just a wide receiver two for now as well. I do like Crowder as a strong flex for me this game. Um, it looks like Rob Kelly has a fractured rib, and after the leaving the game, uh, Sam, Sam Aji Para, I don't know, you can say that name, accrued 21 carries for 67 yards. Sam Aji Parine, maybe? Uh, the Raiders aren't scary against the run, but before you go spending all your fab on Parine, I actually like Thompson a bit more this week. He had uh, three carries for 77 yards and two touchdowns, which of course is very fluky, but added seven receiving targets as well, so I think he has a better floor value here. Uh, Jordan Reed was pulled from this game with a chest injury. Looks like um, sort of sternoclavicular or AC issue. If he uh, if he can't go, I like Davis to fill in this week. If he does, I like Reed very much here. Yeah, I don't love Cousins here as any more than a high-end QB2. This offensive line is having trouble pass protecting, and Cousins clearly doesn't have full chemistry yet with Terrell Pryor like he did with Garcon or Deshaun Jackson. Um, I agree with you that I prefer Chris Thompson a bit in PPR. Uh, I do think he's more of that quote-unquote theoretic type guy, um, and he's going to you know, be have a higher floor and ceiling, as we saw with those long runs. Um, but certainly uh, Samaj P. Ryan or Sam J. P. Ryan, I don't know either uh, how exactly you say it, but um, certainly worth a pickup as, as well as I don't think... Uh, you know, he's going to get dominated quite as much as he did running into the brick wall of Aaron Donald and friends. Um, but supposedly Rob Kelly's rib fracture is not serious and should only miss, you know, a week or two if that. So I wouldn't go blowing too much fab on P. Ryan. And then, <coughs> excuse me, and then with Terrell Pryor, I think he's a high-end wide receiver three. Excuse me. And uh, Crowder, a low-end flex for me. I, I just coughed and you just sneezed, so... We got to get yeah, through the show. Um, contagious. <laughs> the fun is contagious. Oh, that was terrible. I'm sorry. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as I was saying, I think Terrell Pryor is a high-end wide receiver three here. And Crowder's just a low-end flex for me. I, You know, I was down on him going into the season. I actually sold him off in a dynasty league. Um, I just don't think that this offense is quite as high-octane as it was last year. And it's got a ways to go before... I really fully start trusting any of these offensive skill position players in fantasy. Um, 
And to your point, it sounds like Jordan Reed will be okay. Uh, he was able to return to the game against the Rams with that sternoclavicular sprain. Uh, but supposedly optimistic to play week three, so keep Vernon Davis on that watch list, but I don't know if he needs to be added just yet. Captain Kirk not, uh, not having much of a rhythm yet with this team. Pretty letting me down quite a bit because uh, we know how we know how much I like him. Uh, give me Oakland again to beat Washington this week. I will take the Raiders as well. The Raiders. All right. Monday night football coming at you. Dallas at Arizona. Uh, Dallas got away from their game plan here, which I don't understand at all. You don't win games giving Zeke the ball fewer than 10 carries. He finished with nine carries for eight yards and four catches for 14 yards. He's a running back one. It's a moot point. That was just a dumb game plan. Uh, game plan. Um, Whitney actually turned in a very good week. Ten catches on thirteen targets for ninety-seven yards and a touchdown. I guess for now he's a tight end one, but I truly don't think this is going to last. Uh, Dez is a wide receiver too, unless he gets sixteen looks like he did this game. But again, I don't see that happening. Happening again. I don't see Dallas sticking with this failure of a game plan. It's not what worked for, for them last year. Giving the ball to Zeke and running the ball worked for them last year. You wear down a defense. I don't care if you've got to run it 25 times you would have beaten denver on the ground like that at some point maybe not beating them for the whole game but you definitely should have had a better day for zeke well they'd like to run the ball more but i think the main problem is that the cowboys offensive line is while still good just nowhere near as dominant as it was in 2016 you got to remember they lost left guard ronald leary and free agency to denver and then they lost their right tackle doug free to retirement so I just don't think that they're physically capable of dominating a game with that run-heavy game script that they did last year. Um, but the good news for Dallas, at least, is from a legal standpoint, Zeke is good to go for now. Um, we heard more about the court legal battle side of it today, and it looks good that this case will hold up on appeal for now. Now it's going on to the Fifth Circuit Court. Um, so fantasy-wise, you're going right back to Zeke in this game. Certainly you didn't love that stat line, but... Um, you know, with the with the lows come the highs, so you gotta kind of just ride it out. Dak Prescott for me is a low end QB one here in fantasy, and Dez should still be a mid to low end wide receiver too. Um, he's gonna struggle to, uh, you know, get some separation from Patrick Peterson and the rest of that Arizona secondary. But as we saw with Denver, he's still gonna get fed targets by Prescott, um, even against good defenses. And then with Jason Witten, you know, we we said we talked about him a little bit last week, and I said that he was a, a must pick up uh, if he was a tight end that was available on the waiver wire, and this is the reason why. I think that even if he's not scoring all these touchdowns, um, you know, he's clearly uh, that safety valve for uh, Dak Prescott, especially when Dez is being shadowed all day by really good cornerbacks, and I think he's going to maintain that low end tight end one value in PPR. It certainly looked that way uh, so far. Um, I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball at you here. Do you think that Darren McFadden is still the backup, the handcuff to own for Ezekiel Elliott, even though he's been uh, inactive for both of these games? I, I, I don't know if you've heard any more news. I mean, I live in Dallas, and I haven't heard any news regarding that. I think it may just be a situation where they're just keeping him out of games, and then he still is the guy. If something happens to Zeke, then he'll be active, and he'll be dominating the carries. But why would you do that? I, I, don't, I don't know. Why Why not have him active and use him like they're using Rod Smith or whatever? Um, so this is, uh, again, like with you, a pure guess on my part. But 
I, I tend to lean towards your explanation for this. I do think that Alfred Morris is the better like change of pace runner when they need to take Zeke out for a few carries. But I think if Zeke were to get injured or that suspension got overturned and he does serve it this year, um, I do think that McFadden would see more of the carries and also the targets out of the backfield as well. So I, I guess it depends on how shallow or deep your bench is. I don't think McFadden is a must own right now, but certainly in deeper leagues, I think uh, I would still bank on him being the quote unquote guy. If anything were to happen to Zeke, I just don't want to take any risks with an older sort of guy. I guess that, that, that makes sense now that I've said it out loud. All right, Arizona, this backfield, speaking of a backfield, this is a true committee, which I'd avoid if possible. I had some hope that Kern Williams was going to dominate here, but but not the case. Uh, Palmer got better as the game went on against Indianapolis. He, he should be okay to start versus Dallas. Not great. Shouldn't be awful. Um, Fitz is still a low end wide receiver one only in a PPR. Don't love him standard as much anymore. Uh, Jaron Brown, four catches on 11 targets for 73 yards. JJ Nelson, five catches on seven targets for 120 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but John Brown may be back this game, may not be. It's really a toss up. I, I don't expect Nelson to be the best wide receiver on this team by any stretch. Uh, but they're they're definitely something. They're, they're tough to make. <laughs> Tough to make uh, uh, make much of, in my mind. Yeah, I guess Palmer is a high-end QB, too, but I don't know if I feel great saying that. Um, and like you said, this is a messy committee. Uh, Chris Johnson is the guy I'm gambling on to flex uh, and maybe get a red zone touchdown run, but certainly uh, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't rush out to start him over other options. Um, but in terms of Larry Fitzgerald, he's definitely not a wide receiver one for me. He's more of a back-end wide receiver, too. He really struggled against the Colts, and then, you know, he's always worn down as the season progresses the last couple of years. Uh, I avoided him pretty much everywhere in drafts, and I expect his season to keep continue going downhill from here. Um, for me, J.J. Nelson is an interesting flex for that reason, uh, and, and Jerron Brown uh, in a deeper league, but I would prefer J.J. Nelson. Um, and then John Brown... Honestly, I think he's droppable at this point for me. Uh, again, I tend to uh, err on the side of overreacting than underreacting, but we've seen in the past that these soft in tissue injuries really hamper him. Um, it takes him a long time to recover uh, due to that sickle cell trait, and it just seems like you're never sure whether he's going to start in any given week, and if he does, if he's going to finish out that game. I just see him as being a headache all year long and really burning you more often than not. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely hear you on that. Um, on that note, uh, give me the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, I will take the Dallas Cowboys as well in prime time. There are no buy teams this week. I believe the first buys are two weeks from now or next week. Um, next week. yeah, two weeks from now. I don't think there's any two. week three buys Two. No, this is week three. Right, but they haven't played week three yet. Right, but I, I mean, I mean, next time we review games, there will be a bye. Yes, that is correct. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> now, <laughs> well, now that that's subtle. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I, you know, I think in terms of different streaming options, uh, you've got uh, a few different choices here. We mentioned Trevor Simeon uh, at Buffalo. He's 13% owned in Yahoo leagues. I expect a lot of short fields for the Denver offense set up by the defense. 
Um, similarly, Jay Cutler at the New York Jets, 29% owned. Uh, as with Denver, I think the Miami offense should see some short fields set up by defensive turnovers as well. Um, and then Carson Palmer, uh, owned in 60% of leagues, but still out there in, in a good amount. And I think it's a decent matchup, as we previously mentioned. All right. As for your tight end streaming options, um, my, my number one tight end streamer for the week is the 64% owned Jack Doyle coming in versus Cleveland this week. Uh, Brissett can at least keep the offense functional and targeted Doyle a ton, and he will keep continuing to do that. Um, ben Watson in a deeper league at Jacksonville is 1% owned right now because, frankly, he wasn't getting targeted at all before that, but he he really stepped up in a big way. Uh, Nick Boyle not looking impressive. Uh, Flacco likes checkdowns to the tight end and will need them versus the Jacksonville defense. Um, Jesse James at Chicago this week, 35% owned, involved in the red zone, and Pitts, Pittsburgh will score a lot versus Chicago. Uh, um, Julius Thomas versus the New York Jets, 46% owned, got a number of targets, and the Jets defense is a good matchup here for uh, Jay Cutler. And then keep in the back of your mind, if you're a Jordan Reed owner, keep an eye on Vernon Davis at Oakland, 2% owned only if Jordan Reed is out. The Oakland defense, of course, not formidable. That offense puts up a ton of points. Expect a large passing attack from Washington. Yep. Um, and then in terms of defenses that you could stream this week, certainly Miami at the New York Jets, 4% owned right now, pretty much week to week play whoever the Jets are playing, right? Um, yep, that sounds good to me. Yeah, and then uh, we're seeing Eli Manning just looks old and on the decline here. So I think the Philly uh, defense uh, against the Giants at home, 26% owned right now, um, especially if Odell Beckham isn't back to 100% yet. I think that this Eagles defensive line is just going to eat Eli Manning alive. Sure. Uh, I, I think you, I think you're into something there. Um, just to run us through our injuries, what's going on around the league. Um, Sam Bradford with the knee Vikings optimistic. He's going to play Cam Newton with the ankle sprain is day to day. Uh, DeMarco Murray hamstring strain, strain could be week to week, but we've seen these injuries persist. And DeMarco Murray did have prior in his career, quite an injury history. Uh, Jordan Howard with the shoulder in a sling day to day until we know a little more. I'm hopeful that we're going to hear good things. Um, but it's hard to say uh, Rob Kelly with a fractured rib not much to do there just let it sit there and heal uh, Rex Burkhead's also with a rib injury there uh, in terms of our wide receivers Jordy Nelson with a quad bruise day to day I expect he's going to go uh, Randall Cobb with a shoulder issue could be a big issue there uh, Corey Coleman we know is out six weeks as we talked about dropping Corey Davis a hamstring squeak we also talked about dropping um, different situations and reasons but you know we can review those sections if you need uh, Chris Hogan, a knee injury day to day. I expect him to be fired up to go this week. And John Brown, who knows, drop him anyways. Uh, as far as our tight ends go, Rob, Gron Rob Gronkowski with the groin injury. Insert all the jokes you want to hear. He should be okay to go. Jordan Reed with a sternoclavicular sprain, which is painful more than really limiting. He should be able to play. Uh, Jimmy Graham, knee injury. This is really scary to me. Um, we know he had that patellar tendon tear, basically. Uh, the only player to come back and be super effective after that surgery. So this is worrisome for him, uh, both from a weekly standpoint and for a career standpoint. Uh, Greg Olson, we know, is out at least 10 weeks with a fractured foot. Um, when you fracture your foot, you got to stand on your foot every second. It's hard to get that to heal all the way, especially getting it back into play shape. He may be done for the fantasy season. Um, Tyler Eifert, keep an eye on. He's just always banged up. You know the story with him. 
Yeah, all too well. Um, so yeah, I mean, really, I think a lot of these injuries, uh, because we do record on Monday nights, we don't have the full picture just yet. So definitely, uh, you know, stay, stay on Twitter, stay on, you know, whatever news outlets you use. And, uh, in terms of uh, the waiver wire ads here, I, again, I mentioned this, and usually, usually we only talk about guys who are fifty or so percent or less owned in Yahoo leagues. But I really want to bring up Derrick Henry here. He's seventy-seven percent owned, so mo- more than likely owned in your league. But he has RB one upside if Demarco Murray misses time, and I, he's a must own if he's still out there. Um, and then another running back, Chris Carson, 40% owned right now. Um, it seems like he's going to be the clear workhorse in Seattle, has RB1 upside if that Seahawks offense can eventually click. We know that they always kind of start each season a little slow. Um, and then Javorius Allen, 56% owned, uh, out-touched Terrence West due to that soft tissue injury and is going to have that higher floor in PPR leagues. And then uh, Smajay Pirine, 23% owned. Again, he would be the first and second down back if Rob Kelly were to miss time. Um, could win the starting job if he performs well enough. Uh, you want to run us through the wide receivers, Los? Uh, as we talked about, Jermaine Curse only 7% owned still. Uh, leads the team in targets. Had two touchdowns this past week, so you know that's not going to last. Uh, volume will lead to decent PPR floor. Uh, Richard Higgins is only 2% owned. Got 11 targets after Corey Coleman came out of the game, and he's out six-plus weeks with a broken hand. He should be the main driver of the Cleveland passing game until further notice at this time. Yeah, and then in terms of the tight ends, we already kind of mentioned Jason Witten, 66% owned, but I think he's clearly Prescott's safety valve and going to see plenty of volume in PPR leagues. Um, And then Jack Doyle, we mentioned briefly as well, 64% owned. He led the team in catches this past week, and there's sure to be some heavy uh, pass-heavy game scripts with a bad defense. And as we said, Andrew Luck will be back eventually, so I think Jack Doyle's target volume will stay. Um, and then Zach Miller, only 5% owned. He got nine targets this past week after Chicago lost both its starting wide receivers. Um, he should see a lot of heavy volume going forward as well. I like what you're saying here. Uh, Andrew Luck's starting to feel like Frosty the Stro- Snowman. Every week I, I feel a little less like he's going to be back again someday. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we had a conversation in a league where you drafted him, and I, I straight yep. up asked you why. Yeah, well, I I thought I had a good reason behind it, but uh, it's not looking like it thus far. Yeah, but, um, you know, hopefully uh, all of you guys and gals are doing well in your leagues out there. And if not, uh, if you happen to be 0-2 after this week, don't you worry just yet. Uh, You know, it's still early in the season, plenty of time to turn these teams around. Uh, That's why you work the waiver wire, work some trades if you have to. Uh, Definitely not over or even close to it, but... uh, you know, I think we're going to leave it here. Both Los and I are uh, close to death's door right now. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the coughing and sneezing wasn't too bothersome this week. Uh, and hopefully next week uh, we won't have to deal with that. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to us on a non-verbal talking channel. Uh, you can reach us at Twitter. Uh, I am at FFA underscore Mung, and that's M-E-N-G. 
I am at FFA underscore Los. Uh, I'd welcome donations, cough drops, Kleenex boxes, any of those things as well. Uh, you can reach out to your producer, Dan the Man, at FFA underscore Dan, D-A-N. Uh, thank him for all the hard and great work he puts in for us. You can also uh, click subscribe, if you have not already, in the iTunes store so that the uh, you automatically download the next episode and it tells you right when one's there for you. We are also in the Google Play store, and we are also on SoundCloud. Loud. And as always, it's a fantasy world and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. Industry leading, difference making, tomorrow shaping, world changing. These are a few of the adjectives people use to describe the technologies and companies Deloitte works with day in and day out. Join us, and soon those very same adjectives could describe your career too. Explore technology careers at Deloitte.com slash tech careers and make an impact on business, technology, and society while engineering your future at Deloitte. Casper's most sparkling sale of the season is here. This summer, dive into your best sleep and save up to $600 off any of our award-winning mattresses during our 4th of July sale and get up to 50% off pillows, duvets, bedding, and more. Make summer sleep your best sleep with up to $600 off mattresses and up to 50% off everything else. Shop our 4th of July sale at casper.com or a participating store near you. Going on now through 713. Exclusions apply. See casper.com slash promo.